the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Friday. We've made it through the week, folks. Another week, another week of social distancing. And uh, I guess we'll find out today where the governor is on reopening this state up and where what we meet as far as all the different phases and things of that nature. I was just having a discussion with somebody, and they thought that we would see some businesses reopen perhaps by Thursday, and that's good news. One of those businesses that may reopen are movie houses. And uh, just so happens that in the final hour of the show day, Matt Smith is going to be with us. He's uh, our movie mogul here in Arkansas, owns the theaters in Little Rock and Hot Springs and Cabot and Searcy and Batesville. He's going to be with us uh, for a half hour, and we'll talk to him about all of that and if he's got good news for us. Right now, though, let's start off with a big national story and uh, this issue about the World Health Organization uh, continues uh, to uh, get hotter and hotter and hotter. A lot of uh, our elected officials are not happy with the way the uh, World Health Organization has uh, basically carried the Chinese water uh, and protected the Chinese in uh, they're not giving us accurate uh, information of what information they were giving us. Uh, for instance, evidently it's coming out a memo that they knew that there was person-to-person transmittal of this um, this virus back in December, and uh, they held that back from the world. And now the world is suffering, all our economies are suffering, and people are now talking about what do we do about China, and it seems like people have uh, punitive measures in mind. And with that in mind, let's talk to Katie uh, Tolento. She has joined us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She's with the Republican National Committee. Uh, we thank her for getting up early and talking to us. And, and Katie, let's just, the big story that came out today was out of Wuhan, and they have increased their death total overnight by 50%. Yes. Thanks, Dave, for having me. Um, This is not a surprise. All along, we knew that the case counts in China were, well, the case counts especially were undercounted because they weren't testing very many people. But the death counts were also um, undercounted. Their, Their healthcare system was totally overwhelmed. And so because of that, there were many people that were not getting care and were not getting even into the hospital and were dying at home. Those people were not being counted. So that's the primary reason why today they're saying that these new counts are are legitimate now. Now they're legitimate. Don't you right. worry. 
Yeah, don't worry. I think that they're still underreporting. What what say you? I'm sure that's the case. Um, you can always just sort of add a couple of zeros to anything the Chinese tell us. Wow. Wow. I mean, that goes, I think they, they, they jumped up to like 3,800 deaths. That means we could be talking about 38,000 or 380,000. We just don't know. We don't. And, and I think it could be that off. Wow. What do we do about the, you know, what do we do about China? I mean, I'm going to get into WHO as well, because we got to do some things about them as well. But, uh, you know, this whole thing with uh, with China, uh, Japan now has got a national movement going uh, with all of their politicians to not do business with China. I mean, look, the love-hate relationship, we've known about that between the, the Chinese and the Japanese for years. Uh, it's not all peace and harmony along the uh, Pacific Rim. Uh, what is this going to mean for uh, uh, the Chinese? Did they just not report today uh, second quarter is going to be down like 6%? I doubt that. I doubt that, that that's not 12% uh, as far as their GDP goes. Right. I think their economic figures are probably as uh, reliable as their health figures. But I, I'm not an ex- economic expert. I, I do the health side of the operation. But I think that um, I think you're going to see a lot of calls for punitive measures against China. However, of course, remember that our country, even though it's, it's better than it was before President Trump took office, we still are extremely interdependent economically and in many other ways on China. So uh, there's a lot, especially in the medical realm. We have a, we're reliant on them for many medications and supplies and devices are manufactured there. This is a huge problem that we're going to need to take on in the coming year. Yeah, it's like a Gordian knot, in fact. I mean, it's going to take a while mm-hmm. to untangle this thing. Yeah, I think that's right. There are already a lot of moves going on to bring manufacturing of pharmaceuticals and essential supplies over back to the United States. Um, Obviously, the president has probably been the cheerleader in chief of this type of policy ever since he was campaigning. Honestly, ever since decades ago, he was talking about this issue. So he, he was prescient, I believe. But people made fun of him, you know. Oh, they did. I mean, they still look. Biden made fun yeah. of the president, uh, and uh, he's going to have to live with that one over the next uh, 199 days. That's how many days there is to the election, by the way. Let's talk about the World Health Organization. Yesterday, uh, on the View, Lindsey Graham went on and uh, went into the Tiger's Den and the Lion's Den, and told them we had to cut funding to the World Health Organization, because as he said about himself, he says about he feels Congress, nobody trusts the World Health Organization right now with the people that they have at the top and they need to go. Yeah, I think that's right. This is this is the culmination of many years of problems with the World Health Organization. I was doing oversight investigations in the Congress uh, over a decade ago about their fumbling of the malaria drugs pushing out obsolete and ineffective malaria drugs to children around the world. And and the only thing that worked then, and still the only thing that gets their attention, is when you threaten the money. They're incapable of shame. They're incapable of any sort of accountability or transparency. When you threaten money, that's when they start thinking about changing policies. So I think the president is absolutely right. He's the only president to have ever come close to doing anything like this in decades. 
you know, this isn't the only United Nations organization that is, uh, you know, a problem. He's been calling out the Human Rights Council and others. And so, you know, he's got the courage to take this on. And, you know, the world liberal intelligentsia is is criticizing him and, and howling in hysterics that somehow this money is, is going to harm the world. I'm telling you, when you've got lying like this and you've got covering up and corruption that, you know, it's a violation of the Hippocratic Oath to first do no harm. I, I think that you're seeing a bunch of European countries who are saying, oh, well, we'll step in and, and we'll make up the cash. Great. Maybe they should have been doing that all along. And we could fo- focus on our bilateral programs direct to other countries. Well, perhaps you can talk about this. A lot of people have asked me, why is this guy that's at the top such a, a lover of China? And the, the, the answer to that is he's an avowed Marxist, isn't he? Isn't he a isn't he a communist? That's what I've heard. I am not familiar with his personal ideologies, but I will say that when I was in the White House, we had to, um, you know, we had to take on this guy on a couple issues. And he was not our first choice for the leadership of the WHO. Um, We weren't happy about it. And, you know, so far, all our worst fears have been realized. Yeah, now that we pulled our money back, see, it, it, it amazes me uh, that uh, they, you know, that this guy has thrown all his weight behind China. When you consider that, even though China gives a, quite a bit of money, uh, they they don't even come close to what we give to the World Health uh, Organization. You would think that they'd want to pay pay some attention to what the United States is doing. Have we been that weak teed all this time? Yeah, you know, the the Chinese have been sort of colonizing the WHO long before this guy. So um, during the SARS epidemic, there was a woman who was a health commissioner of Hong Kong named Margaret Chan. She was widely criticized for bungling um, the the SARS response. But then she became the head of the WHO. So that was about 13 years ago. And so this is just, you know, a long history of the WHO kowtowing to China. It isn't the first time. What's worse is, you know, the way they treat Taiwan. They won't let Taiwan have Mm -hmm. a seat at the table at the WHO. If you try to recognize Taiwan, China goes totally crazy. Well, in December, it was Taiwan who was telling the WHO that this was human human to human transmission. While the Chinese were still lying about that and covering it up and silencing doctors, doctors who were dying of, of COVID, they, the Taiwanese were telling the WHO the truth. And what's more, you know, there are whistleblowers, the doctors at WHO, who are now saying that they knew right from the start, talking in December, they knew from the start that this, that this was contagious human to human. But the WHO continued lying through the end of January. Oh, my God. So, they, they've killed thousands, hundreds of thousands of people then. I believe they have blood on their hands, yes. That's incredible. I mean, the world needs to know this. I mean, I know they've had memos that have suddenly appeared and things of that nature uh, with with China's fingerprints on them and things of that nature. This this is uh, this is unbelievably terrible. We've got China uh, knew that this was, uh, uh, you know, person to person transmission because they went out and started buying up all of the devices that they could that they knew the countries would be needing to to be able to treat this disease it's 
This is disgusting. They absolutely knew it, Dave. They were they sent in two special teams from Beijing to investigate what was going on in Wuhan. Both teams came back and officially said there was no problem. But in their internal memos, they used the word pandemic, and they were very uh, seriously concerned and started putting out quarantine and lockdown measures that they did not publicize, but that they issued these orders to healthcare providers and wow. other government officials who were not allowed to say anything publicly. See, this makes this really so serious. I mean, uh, yeah, this gets to the point that what do we what do we do with these people? How do we? I mean, I think there's got to be some trials uh, done. People lost their lives because of people not sharing necessary information and, in fact, falsifying information. That that should be, you know, world crime type of stuff. Well, at the very least, we can stop subsidizing it. So I think oh, absolutely the is exactly right. He's exactly right. Despite all the howls and the and the hysteria um, from the globalists, he is he is doing the right thing to put a pause. Um, and it's not just the globalists, but you know you also have the Democrat leadership who are um, threatening to sue him and challenge this policy. Um, so he's going to need to stay strong over the next couple months as he reviews what what happened at the WHO. But I, I have no doubt that he will. All right. Uh, Katie is going to be with us here for a few more moments. i got to get a break in, Katie. Uh, put your feet up for a second and relax. I'll be back with you. She's on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the kind of uh, information we get to you here on our show. We hope that you enjoy it. Katie will be back in just a moment with me. Uh, today, looking at afternoon showers as high as 68 uh, for tomorrow, cool cloud 64 are high. And for Sunday, uh, cloudy skies, some thunderstorms in spots, and a high of 66. Currently 54 in Little Rock. Conway's 52. Hot Springs is 52. Pine Bluff, 52. And Cabot is a uh, chilly 49 degrees. Back with you with more here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we are back with the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Katie Talento is our guest. Uh, she has information uh, dealing with the WHO. Uh, they are all over the news right now because they, they, uh, they carried the water for China when they knew that China was lying and when they knew that China was misleading the world. They knew a lot of this stuff back in December. Uh, so I wanted uh, you to hear uh, from her today, and she's going to be with us here for about another two minutes. Katie, uh, you said that the president needs to stay strong on this. Seems to me that, uh, you know, this is money Congress has uh, allocated for him to make the decision on how it gets spent. Is that not true? Yeah, so most of the WHO money is not directly appropriated by Congress to the WHO. <clears throat> there are a few earmarks that are small that are ear that are directly ordered by Congress to go to the WHO for a specific program. And in that case, even in that case, the president has until the end of the fiscal year to write that check. So he has plenty of time to do his review and come back to Congress and try to make his case if, he, if that review turns out that he thinks he should recommend, um, you know, pulling the money back. But most of the money is not, it's what we call voluntary contributions. 
And so we just, you know, uh, let's say we've got a malaria program and Congress has appropriated money for malaria. And then the State Department or the U.S. Agency for International Development decides of their own discretion that they should spend some of that malaria money that Congress allocated to go to the WHO. That is not required legally to go to the WHO. We could spend that on bilateral programs instead of multilateral organizations. So in no way does does he have to report to Congress about that. That is fully in his discretion. So I'm not quite sure what um, the Speaker of the House is complaining about when she she says that his action is illegal. He is completely within his rights um, to to be doing what he's doing and, and taking a hard look at how this money has been spent and exactly what the WHO knew and when they knew it and what they said to the world and why. You know, if I were the Democrats, I wouldn't want to be on the other side of this argument because that makes you look like you don't have any problem that the WHO was complicit in bringing down the world's economy. Well, they're so busy trying to, you know, save half a billion dollars to the United Nations. Meanwhile, they're they're obstructing $250 billion to America's small businesses and the Paycheck yes. Protection Program that's run out of money. So I, I think they've got their priorities out of whack. Yeah, I think so, too. And in, in 199 days, American citizens are going to have uh, their say about, uh, about that. Katie, it's been a pleasure uh, with you. I think that we seem to be on the the downside of this hill. Do you uh, do you agree with that? I think that uh, things are going to get better now. There'll be flare ups, but things are going to get better. I think that's right, and we'll all keep praying. Like it all depends on God, and and socially distancing and working. Like it all depends on us. There you go. I like that. Okay, I know you got other interviews coming up. Let me give you a break between this one and your next one. You have a great day. Have a great weekend. And we look forward to having you back soon here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks so much, Dave. Take care. All right. Bye-bye now. Katie uh, Tolento here from uh, the RNC on the Dave Ellswick Show. She is... Uh, a person who's been involved in the White House for many, many years uh, on the medical side and uh, joining us today. Uh, that was just an, just so eye-opening when she was talking about about China and the WHO. The, I mean, I'm, I already told Heidi, uh, my producer back in the studio, and by the way, you, know, you should call Heidi up sometime and just tell her thanks for all the hard work because she really does a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes that you don't, see or hear about but uh, she's going to do a little chopping on that interview and then uh, you'll probably hear it again on monday because i really think that that's an interview that you need to to have time to to hear again uh and uh, you know absorb uh what was said that the who knew that there was person to person transmittal of covid19 back in December. December. But they weren't telling anybody. And that they had, uh, they have now gotten memos. Uh, the people, ha- the, uh, the different uh, countries have. They're looking at things. I guess the AP is the one who uncovered this. Uh, these a- these uh, uh, memos said pandemic in them. So they knew. And they didn't share. And that's why we're as bad off as we are right now and didn't have to be that way. As far as I'm concerned, not giving them another penny might be something to keep on the uh, 
the horizon here. I don't know why we got to have you got to have this these uh, this this group anyway. Uh, I mean, most countries have their own brand of CDC. I mean, uh, I don't know if you heard the story about how much they were spending on travel. I mean, these people when they went to went out like for Ebola and stuff like that, it's not like they stayed in the jungle. Uh, they were staying in the closest city, and they were staying in the most high, high uh, rent places that they possibly could stay in. And uh, it's, it's just disgusting what uh, what they were up to. All right, coming up uh, after the break at the bottom of the hour, we have another special guest to uh, to join us today, and uh, that uh, will be Dan's going to be with Dan Eberhart will join us. And Dan's going to talk to us about the economy. So we're going to talk about restarting the economy, uh, which parts of the country look like they may be closer to restarting than others. I mean, I think all of us uh, can readily uh, identify that New Jersey and New York and uh, up in that northeast corridor uh, probably need this extra time that Kumo talked about, May 15th through May 15th. Uh, for his uh, measures, but uh, the uh, governor of Ohio last night said they're going to start releasing uh, a lot of their uh, hard hold uh, on Ohio starting in uh, another week and a half. All right, we've got to get your news. Let's get the news, and then Dan Eberhart will be with us when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Hey, it's uh, 6.35 or 25 minutes to 7. You're on your way to uh, work, perhaps. You got about 25 minutes to hit uh, 7 o'clock. The high today is going to be 68 degrees, so it's going to be a pleasant day, although we may see uh, a chance of an afternoon shower around tomorrow for your weekend. Cool, some clouds, some sun, 64 degrees for a high. And then Sunday, much better chances of rain, uh, cloudy skies, thunderstorms in spots, and a high of 66 degrees. Temperatures around the area right now, Little Rock is at 51, Conway 52, Cabot's 51, Hot Springs 55, Pine Bluff 52. Well, we just got done talking to Katie uh, Talento. It was really an interesting discussion with her about the World Health Organization. That was one of the really big stories I wanted to talk about. The other big story to talk about is uh, what happened uh, Yesterday afternoon and now what's happening this morning, the stock market is going absolutely bonkers right now. We're into a triple-digit gain thus far, well over 700 points. We're over 24,000 on the, the Dow. And Dan Eberhardt joins us to talk more about the economy, more about reopening our country up, getting things uh, back to some uh, semblance of normalcy again. And, Dan, thanks for joining us this morning on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, is it Gilead? Is that the pharmacy that it leaked out that evidently they have a, a drug that's in uh, phase three trials that shows very big promise and that the stock market is just going bonkers over this morning? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that, and the, the, the markets uh, being up are good good news for nearly everybody. I think that's a, definitely a positive. It is. It's good for my four hundred one, man. I'm telling you, so many pe- so many people don't understand how many people are involved in the market now. It's not like when I was a, a teenager back in the late '60s, where you know. Only the people who had a lot of money was were into the markets. I mean, back in the 80s when some of the moves were made by Congress to let, you know, us peons get involved in the market, we have gotten involved in the market now. I mean, we're by, like make up like 70 percent of it. Uh, and it's important to keep an eye on your 401k, is it not? Oh, it, de- it definitely is, and and to talk away a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more for your future. And I, but I, yeah, I'll tell you, you make an excellent point that a, a lot of people have got exposure to the market through their pension programs and uh, 401ks and stuff like this. So it really does affect everybody, and and we we really as a country need the need the market to do well. And the, the market is also the the main barometer for you know how our economy is doing in the short term so when the market's up i I think that's a good day in america it is so the president yesterday big news conference uh says you know we can't make the cure uh worse than the disease and so it's it's time to start looking at reopening uh the economy of the united states uh it won't happen in all of the United States uh, at once. I mean, I think we all can identify that New York City and New Jersey and some of the northeast quarters are going to be behind a lot of other people here uh, in in the United States about reopening. But here in Arkansas, we've done pretty well. We're like uh, 2,000 people under how many people they said were going to be in hospitals were well under the the deaths that they had said were going to happen here in the state. Uh, that is, thank God for that. But it also says that perhaps we'll be able to get back to normalcy a little sooner than other people. Yeah, I think Arkansas looks pretty good, you know, considering, you know, every everything that's happened. And hopefully it will be, you know, one of the places that can lead in terms of opening up. Trump is, you know, it's been pretty obvious that Trump is itching to get the economy uh, back going and get get folks back out there and back to work and to get, you know, to to save as many small businesses as we can. But it's it's man, it's got to be an awful difficult choice to kind of balance the balance the science in some of these places like New Orleans and New York that um, have just are really seeing the worst of this pandemic, but. Trump seems to have a, a careful, deliberate approach here, and I think he's doing a, a great job so far. Yeah, I think he's done a fantastic job, and I'm about fed up with listening to uh, the mainstream media and the Democrats saying how screwed up he's, he's done everything. I'm telling you, they're living in an alternate universe for me because I think the president has done a yeoman's task. It's not our fault that China lied and then the World Health Organization carried their water for them. And they knew back in in January or pardon me, uh, December, that this was transmittable from person to person and didn't tell anybody knowing that this was going to wreak havoc across the world. I Personally, I think uh, I got another guest that comes on with me from time to time who said this is the worst terrorist attack ever on the world. I tend to agree with him. I think the Chinese have really got to be held responsible for all of this. 
No, I, I absolutely think the Chinese need to be held responsible. And, you know, at, at the very least, they could have told the world uh, something like 40 days earlier than they did what's yes. actually going to happen. And it, I think that's amazing. I, and I've seen, you know, I, I don't know how much of this stuff to take seriously, but I, I've seen in where in, in Wuhan they supposedly locked some of the families in the house and they, they in their houses, and they, they really were, were very, very aggressive in containing this virus in a way that America has had to kind of voluntarily, um, you know, get folks to try to convince folks to stay inside and, and dial down, dial down your exposure to the society. The, the Chinese um, re- really do not look so good right now if I'm an American or European, I think. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. In fact, in Wuhan, uh, they were welding their doors shut of their apartment complexes so they couldn't get out. The military was in the streets, and if you came out, they either took you, uh, you know, um, you, they apprehended you and put you in jail, or they shot you. They know that that was going on. And then last but not least, they did all of that, but yet they let their international airports stay open, and they sent people that were probably, uh, you know, hot with this disease all over the world they knew what they were doing i mean in in january they were buying up all of the medical equipment all over the world knowing that uh, these countries were going to need it so they could sell it back for a profit yeah don't get me started unconscionable (laughs) absolutely unconscionable but i i'll tell you i'll tell you what what i what uh, you know president trump has not gotten enough credit for closing uh, closing down the flights from China, and that's that's yes. why this happened in Europe and then America is because Trump did that. Otherwise, yep. it, this would have started in California. Yep, you're you're exactly right. And Dan, I appreciate you being with us today. Let's talk about the economy. I've heard a couple sure. of uh, different uh, uh, stories on uh, the media, and uh, and I t- and believe me, I take what I hear on the media with a grain of salt. I read a lot of stuff uh, to try to mitigate what I'm getting from the media, but. Uh, I'm hearing some economists say this is going to be kind of a V-shaped uh, recovery. We're, we're going to come come down, and in the second quarter, we're going to have uh, like a, a you know minus four or five percent, and then it's going to shoot right back up, uh, and we're going to get back to where we were before fairly uh, rapidly. Others are saying it's going to be go down, hit the bottom, and then it's going to be slowly moving up. Where do you land on this? What do you think is going to happen? What, what I think is going to happen is I think we're going to come back uh, with an economy that's 70 or 80% as big as it was when this started in, in February. But we're going to have a growth at a, at a pretty good clip uh, you know, for the, for the rest of the year. And somewhere around Q1 2021, the economy will be back the same size. But that's that's going to take an awful lot of government spending to to get us there. All right, with the government spending, what about the about the national psychology? Uh, how long do you foresee it taking for people? I mean, initially, people are going to want to get out. They're going stir crazy right now. I know I am. Uh, you want to get back and be able to go to your favorite restaurant. I want to be able to go back to the movies. I love the movies, so I want to go back to the movies. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that people want to do, and we'll see that initially, but 
Do you believe people are going to be ready to go to crowds of, you know, 50, 60,000 people to, you know, watch a professional football game? Do you think they're ready to do that, or are they going to be a little bit more reticent about that and be a little bit slower of getting there? Uh, well, I, you know, I I want to I want to think we're going to be ready, and I am I am also ready for some baseball or some college <laughs> football. But I am with you. <laughs> let me let me tell you. But I but I think that it's it's maybe going to be a bit cautious. And you know, I was talking to somebody last night about concerts. I think they're in the same boat, and we're yes. we're really going to have to see what they come up with. Or they, you know, it, I think at first we might we might sit every other seat in a stadium or something, and they might. Uh, try something like that, but I, I think it's natural to want to go to those things. So I think it's going to come back. But we may be in a new normal where we stand in line, you know, three feet, five feet behind somebody, and and everything takes a little bit longer. So um, I, I also wondering if this is going to date movies and date TV shows from their film, kind of before coronavirus or after, and how that's going to look. Yeah, I I agree with you. I got a guy coming on who's a big uh, theater owner here in Arkansas in my 8 o'clock hour. And uh, I want to know how this is going to change the way movies are viewed. Are we going to see more streaming for smaller movies and just see the big tent poles uh, movies in in the theaters? Uh, Dan, I got to get a break in. Let's take a break. I'll come back. I can take about five more minutes of your time after that, and then I'll let you go. I appreciate you joining us today, Dan. Uh, Eberhardt is our guest. He's talking about the economy. Uh, I've got some other questions for him as we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 51 degrees in Little Rock, looking for a high of 68 today with some uh, scattered afternoon showers. You're listening to 101.1 FM, The Answer. Ten minutes till 7 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. The uh, answer, 51 degrees in Little Rock right now. We're going up to 68 with a possibility of a afternoon shower, nothing uh, major, just a quick you know boom and in and out. Our guest is Dan Eberhardt. Uh, Dan is with us uh, and talking about business, and I want to talk further with him uh, about business, but instead of... Um, you know, macro, let's look at micro. Uh, micro is how many small businesses make up uh, our business climate in uh, the country. And uh, the Democrats are not helping themselves right now, Dan, I believe. I mean, we got 199 days until the election now. The Democrats are, are holding up uh, the Small Business Association's funding for their uh you know, uh, payroll protection plan that they had out there, the PPP, and uh, also uh, uh, some of their other uh, plans that they have. We've been having the SBA on and answering business owners' uh, uh, questions on the air. And yesterday, uh, Mr. Uh, I'm trying to Haddock had to say that there was no more money right now, that the Democrats were holding it all up. Uh, what what do you see that they're trying to do to benefit this country? Because that seems like this is hurting the country. It's, it's hurt you personally with a business you have, you were saying. Uh, yeah, so I, I've got a, a small business with about 16 people that was denied uh, funding because they're they're out of money. And that's just, just one example. I'm sure you know many people across this country are facing that right now. And that's just crazy to me that, you know, they can have all this rhetoric about being for the little guy and being for a small business. And then, you know, they've, they've gone back to, to typical politics as usual, which is, 
oh, to, to get what you guys want to do, which is the right thing. We want this and that and this and that. And let's just spend yet even more money and not worry about the returns. And it, 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 to do that at a time right like this boggles my mind. I think that I thought this would be a pretty easy plan for Republican thing for Republicans and Democrats to be on. Look, this plan is is more popular than we thought. We need to top up this fund. I, I don't I don't see why it's that complicated. But they're you know typical typical trying to hold it up by spending yet even more money uh, on other miscellaneous things. You know, boggles my mind. You know, small business is so important since the Great Recession. Sixty-five percent of all the net jobs that have been created have been created by small businesses. You know, big businesses are in some ways the backbone and the connective tissue in the country, but small business moves America and small business grows America, and those are people that take a chance on on communities and take a chance on their local economy to do things. And if we're going to get America back to working, we've we've really got to start with the small businesses and making sure those folks who've got what they need to take care of their people and, and hopefully feel like growing a little bit here in a month or two. And the, the Democrats are just coming up short and, and actions and deeds. Well, I think they're going to hurt themselves. I, they're going to have to fold on this. They cannot continue to have this kind of negativity being uh, ascribed to them. And, uh, you know, they, they think they, they want Biden to win. He ain't going to win if the Congress is... Uh, being nothing but but a big roadblock. All right, Dan Eberhardt is our guest, uh, or Eberhardt, pardon me. Dan, one thing that has uh, become very clear is there's a lot of uh, business in this country people take for granted. It happens all around them all the time. They just don't see it. Yesterday at the White House, they had a big deal of uh, thanking America's truckers. If it weren't for the trucking industry, uh, getting the groceries you need, the medicines you need, the clothes that you need, and all of the different uh, you know uh, products that we consume here in this country would be nearly impossible. And I think people maybe are seeing that a little bit more uh, with what's going on. Yeah, tr- truckers are definitely essential, and definitely, you know, one of one of the things that create the the fabric that you know keeps everything moving. I think that we there's there's really th- this whole situation with the virus is really uh, uh, brought to light. You know, healthcare workers and a lot of just different faucets of society. I think that at least me personally, um, you know, were in the forefront of my mind, and we, we just all got to appreciate each other right now. And, and work together as we hopefully, you know, op- open this country back up pretty soon. Yeah, last question for you. Uh, all of the country is not going to open at the same time. What kind of difficulties does that present that certain areas of the country will open, other areas will not? And then, for instance, New York, it's not coming back until at least middle of May, 1st of June. Uh, that, that presents some difficulties to the economy. Oh, I, I think it presents a lot of difficulties, and I think something like this on this scale has not been tried before, but I think we've, it's just this is what we've got to work with, so we're going to have to figure it out, and I think that we'll end up with uh, some some states and some cities that have better better leadership and better government, uh, you know, might might gain a little bit in terms of, of size or speed or, um, you know, how big their relative economy is compared to others. But I think as a, as a country, we've just all got to go through this together. And we might need to lean on, you know, a place like Little Rock a little more for things. And, you know, 
a place like New York City a little bit less. All right. Dan, thanks for your time. I know you're being inundated with uh, interviews today. Uh, You have a great day, a fantastic weekend, and hopefully the next time that we talk, we'll be a lot more closer to normal here in the United States. Oh, I I certainly hope so. Look, I I enjoy it, and I'm I'm right with you on wanting to get back to the movies and and everything else that we enjoy in life. Thanks thanks for having me so much. All right, Dan. Appreciate you, Danny Eberhardt, here on the, the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, he says something that, you know, I'm thinking, and that's very simply this. I don't know what the Democrats are trying to gain by holding up this SBA funding to small business. I, I don't get it. I think it's, it's going to hurt them. Uh, soundly in the election. It could be that they already know, looking at their own internal polling, that the mountain that they have to climb is going to be a high one, and maybe they can't make it with the candidate they have. And the other thing could be that they may already know that they may be losing the House as well. I know that the media is, is giving you a narrative that you might not believe that, I just have to tell you, watching what's going on, I think it's going to be a harsh, harsh November uh, come uh, Election Day uh, for the Democrat Party. They've been in the way and not uh, pulling the rope uh, as much as they should be uh, with what this country has been going through. All right, coming up after 7 o'clock, Robert Steinbach will be by to talk with us. We'll see what he has to say. Got a lot more of the show to go. First hour has been a winner as far as I'm concerned. Stick around. More is coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Your uh, weather today is going to be a few afternoon showers, cloudy, some sun as well, high of 68. Tomorrow, cool clouds. Periods of sun, 64 degrees, and Sunday, cloudy thunderstorms uh, scattered throughout the area, high of 66. Currently, we're looking at 51 in uh, Little Rock. Conway is at 52, Hot Springs at 55, Pine Bluffs at 52, and here where I'm at in Cabot, 51 degrees. Dave Ellswick, more of the Dave Ellswick Show coming. Stick around. We got it for you right here at 1011 FM. The answer. into the 7 o'clock hour. you got one hour, less than that, 54 minutes to be exact, to get to uh, your uh, job by 8 o'clock uh, if you're going into work today. Most of you are not. Uh, a lot of you are out, um, you know, making your way around and uh, got some things to do, and then we'll go back home and, uh, you know, do your uh, your distancing. Okay, so... 
Taking a look, I'm reading, uh, grabbing some headlines here. The big headline right now, Robert, uh, Robert Steinbach is here. Uh, you know, he is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law, UALR. His opinions are his and his alone. Let's get that out there right now. Do not necessarily reflect those of UALR or the Bowen School of Law. With that uh, is, uh, I just saw something today just blew my mind. Land Lakes has dropped their Native American image from their packaging after nearly 100 years. Now, they uh, people have been calling it racist. I look at it and uh, and look, I I buy Land Lakes. I like their their uh, uh, their stick butter is what I buy. I don't buy the tubs. I don't buy any of that. I personally buy the stick butter. I've got. One of the old-fashioned butter holders made out of porcelain, the bottom filled with water. You put it in, you put stick butter in, and it stays stays good for a couple of weeks. Plus, it stays a stick in my house doesn't last more than a day. Uh, it stays nice and soft, so you can butter your toast. You don't end up putting a hole in it when you're trying to butter it. But you've seen there their logo haven't you robert it's a indian maiden uh on, you know sitting there with this butter kind of she's holding it in her hands and it says land o lakes and it's got a, a, a some pictures of forests around her and 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 a lake behind her they're calling that racist because it shows an american uh, uh indian uh, uh, you know holding butter how is that racist were there not were there not were there not Indians back in Minnesota yeah. during that time? Dave, I, I, I'm sorry that I've got to be the one that conveys the truth to you that you, <laughs> as a white male, are biologically incapable. Don't you see? I've, obviously, I'm channeling the uber left, um, right. biologically incapable of even understanding that because you are embedded in your heteronormative uh, majoritarian um, uh, attitudes of inherent discrimination. Yeah. You know what I love about having you on the show? You can say that all in that legalese crap. <laughs> well, if you can, uh, and let me unpack that for you and your audience. It's a bunch of gobbledygook nonsense, okay? Now, yeah. mind you, and I, I'm sure you agree, Land Lake can do whatever they want with their labeling if they decide to update their labeling. But the notion, right, that if you show someone of a particular group uh, and you use that in a, a mascot-like way, that that's inherently racist, I just disregard. And I'll tell you, I'll give you proof that I'm not otherizing it, as the left likes to say as well. When I was in Poland, uh, you know, before World War II, Poland had the biggest Jewish population in all of Europe. Three million Jews lived in Poland. Uh, I forget what the percentage of the Polish population that was, but a significant a lot. I'm going to guess 25 percent, 20 percent. I don't know, but it was significant. Uh, in any event, of course, after the war, virtually none. It went from 3 million to 300,000. And of that 300,000, uh, some significant portion left Poland. So there are very few Jews in Poland now. And 
they have, if you go um, to like the bazaars, uh, one of the things that you can buy that's sort of inherently Polish is a doll of a Jewish character, of the traditional Jewish garb. You see sometimes those Jews in America, they're known as ultra-Orthodox, you know, with the all-black outfit, with the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they sell those dolls that are supposed to be good luck charms. Okay, fine by me. Meaning, yeah. it's not done to say th- this is evil, right? Nor is the Land of Lakes putting that on their uh, emblem to say this is evil. It's done in a positive representational way. I've got no problem with it in either place. Now, if people don't like it, they don't have to buy the product. If Land Lakes doesn't think it's good for business, they don't have to leave it on. But we're talking, you and I uh, are talking about the underlying substance of the claim. And I reject the underlying substance of the claim. Yeah, I I just I just saw this. I just happened to come across it just before we went on the air, and I said, you know, it just amazes me. I'm surprised this country hasn't come apart at the seams, which is which, you know, as wussified as we have become now in America. I mean, I I can't believe that it's been there's been an overriding overriding hue and cry to uh, to remove the butter maiden uh, from uh, Land of Lakes products. Uh, it's got to be a very small minority, and it just amazes me that people bow down to this, this stuff. It's just, it's the ultimate expression to me of stupidity, just personally. I mean, it, it's... Over- in some respects, it reflects, I heard a great term fairly recently, I mean, several years ago, but in my life, that's fairly recently. Uh, and it was um, first world problems, meaning you're looking for a problem, like, oh, my yes. bed is too soft. You know? That's true. Oh, that's true. My dehumidifier is not working well, right? And, oh, my butter label uh, has a picture of, of, a, of a person who's a member of a group inherently. You, have to, you, you are always such. And, and that picture in and of itself is somehow detrimental. Yeah, yeah I it. mean, seriously, it, we're at a, at a point in, and I've heard this talked about before, we're at a point in our culture, for instance, here in the United States, we have got it so good. I mean, seriously, when you look at what we have in the United States, we have it so good, we have to go out and look for the butter maiden to have something to complain about. Dave, it's in part driven by the claim of the left that this country is racist. That is a false claim, Dave. Now, they can oh, say yeah, whatever they want. Oh, yeah, it's a false narrative. I agree. It, entirely. And it's that narrative on which they want to build their ongoing leftist political movement. There's no doubt that there are racists in this country, as there are racists all over the world, and there will always be. We will not live in a world in which there is no racism. But it is a far cry to say that there are racists in this country to this is a racist country. Remember, Elizabeth Warren, one of the major candidates in the Demolest uh, uh, campaign, was, was saying, and I dare suspect, continues to say, that our criminal justice system is corrupt from top to bottom. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's ideal, because guess what? Anything human-made is not going to be perfect. We need to accept that notion, and in accepting that notion, we need, need to move towards the unattainable goal of perfection, meaning always trying to improve. But the notion that it's corrupt from top to bottom... That's part of this leftist narrative, this false narrative that America is inherently flawed, it's inherently racist. You know, that's that 1619 project from the New York Times where they have redefined reality. Redefined reality, Dave, to say this country was founded on and is based on racism. Nonsense. Nonsense. I agree. I agree. I know you do. I know the 1619 you do. Project is just plain BS. I don't even talk about it on the air because it's so ridiculous. But uh, uh, and I and I people, if I start talking about that several times on my show, my listeners would be saying, "What's wrong with you, boy?" I mean, seriously, is there something gone wrong between your ears? Yeah, I I just think it. it you know, here in America. We really have it so well that we have got to find something that we can bitch and moan about. Seriously. Got to have it. It seems like it's human nature. And you talk about the people, about slavery being, you know, the way it is and the way it will be. Well, it's the way it has been. I mean, it's slavery has been a part of the American, not the American, just the American, but the human culture from recorded start of history. Indeed, but the flip side, as you're saying, to be clear, is that it no longer is a fact of America. And while it has had effects on society that we need to continue to redress, the notion that it was the founding principle of this country is absurd. And by the way, the 1619 Project themselves had to reverse the breadth of some of their claims because even they recognized or it was proven to them how absurd their claims were. It was a part of history as it was a part of history throughout the world. It was not the defining characteristic of this country. In fact, quite the contrary, I dare say. And the left is unwilling to give credit to our founders and the positive forces that existed in this country since its beginning. Yes, we need to recognize the bad aspects of this country uh, historically, and we have, and we have done immense efforts to redress those harms, I might add. And I'm not suggesting that there isn't more that we could do, but the notion that this country today does not present opportunities to all people, and that is a notion of the left, is absurd. That's what you're going to be voting on, Dave, come November. Yeah, 199 days, brother. That's how long it is, 199 days. And for people who want to tell me and say to me with a straight face, they're not goofing. They've got a straight face, and they go, we're as bad as we used to be back in the Civil War days. And I looked at them, I said, yeah, I was thinking about going downtown today to the slave market and buying a couple of people. You know, it's it's, 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 it's incredible. To be clear, uh, because I know it's going to get played back in the future, you're being intentionally sarcastic. It's so absurd, the claims. Of course you are. And this is... to watch these people, listen, let me, let me uh, uh, change mid-thought and extend the same notion, right? It's the New York Times 
as we discussed, entirely treated differently Joe Biden regarding the claims of uh, sexual abuse uh, than they did Kavanaugh. And the Washington Post, excuse me, not the Washington Post. I I wish it were the Washington Post. It was the the Wall Street Journal uh, called out the New York Times and the left and Joe Biden. And they said, look, yeah, Joe Biden deserves due process. Uh, while the person's claim n- needs to be heard, we don't ignore the claim. It doesn't mean it is, in fact, accepted as truth simply because it was said. Of course, that's the case, right? That's the basis of our criminal justice system that Elizabeth Warren claims is corrupt from top to bottom. And the, um, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal goes on to say, hey, Joe, I just wish she did this when it came to Kavanaugh because you did it. This event with uh, Joe Biden, it's interesting to watch because many on the right, not all, I I wish it was all, but not all, uh, but many on the right are giving him the due process that they were going, uh, that they were asking for, for Kavanaugh. The right, many on the right at least, have been consistent in their approach. The left, not at all, not at all. Yeah, I'm looking at here, uh, Michael Davis with an opinion piece today, asks uh, this question, two men are seeking high office, each newly accused of a decades-old incident of sexual misconduct. One of the accusations is unsubstantiated, while the other is supported at least by circumstantial evidence. One involved alleged attempted rape by a high schooler, while the other involved alleged workplace rape by a powerful United States senator. Uh, The Times publishes one of the accusations the day it is made, but waits nearly three weeks to print the other. Can you guess which is which? We'll talk about it when we come back. Got to get a break in at 721 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. My good friend uh, Robert Steinbach is with us today. He'll be with us until uh, 9 o'clock. We'll be talking about all kinds of issues like this today. Hope that you'll join the conversation. Phone numbers are open at 823-0965, Don't forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing wants you to get that roof off your head. All right. What I mean by that don't mean tear your roof off. I mean fixing it and you not have to worry about it. And that's what PI Roofing does. Using new technology, uh, they can talk with you. uh, They can work with you. They can get things set up for you to get your roof taken care of. I mean, we've had some pretty harsh uh, thunderstorms uh, the last few weeks, some strong wind, some hail, Uh, things of that nature, maybe some falling branches. You've had some problems with your roof. Maybe you've got a leak. Uh, And the folks at uh, PI Roofing can take care of that for you uh, easily, and they can do it by keeping social distancing uh, in in form. Uh, They can do it without having to come to your house as far as uh, sitting down across from you. I mean, they've got to come to your house to fix it, but they can fix it without, you know, the two of you, uh, you know, touching each other or getting close enough that you can share this virus. And uh, PI Roofing is working hard to do that. They also are a general contractor, not just a roofing company, which means if the rain getting into your house has caused some indoor problems, they can fix that for you as well. 
All you have to do is visit them on online at uh, piroofing.com or call them. Uh, give them a, a ring and talk to them at 707-3551, and they'll be happy to make sure that your problems are solved. Make sure you tell them that I told you to come, would you? It, it helps me if you do that. I'd appreciate it if you let them know. Dave Ellswick said, give them a call. That's P.I. Roofing. 726 on a, are you ready for, it's Friday. Woohoo! Got to love it. I'm glad we've made, we made it to Friday. Definitely for that. Yeah. Afternoon showers today, high of 68. Uh, tomorrow and Sunday, your weekend look this way. Cool clouds and some sun on Saturday, high of 64. Uh, we'll get up to 66 on Sunday, but the chances of rain will increase on uh, on Sunday, uh, late Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, 53 degrees now in Little Rock uh, around the rest of the area. Hot Springs at 55, Pine Bluff at 52, Cabot's at 51, and if you're out in Conway, you're at 50. Three degrees as well here at uh, 727. Rush is coming up at 730. He'll have his morning update for you, so don't run away. We want you to hear that as well. Robert Steinbach is my guest. He's always with me typically on Fridays from 7 to 9. A lot of times on Mondays if he can uh, swing it uh, as well from 7 till 9 as well. Uh, did you happen to hear the beginning of the show today, Robert? I know that you like to sleep in a little bit, but I didn't know if I you tried. heard Katie. I did not hear this morning's show, actually. Oh, she was no. good. I'm going to replay the interview with Katie uh, uh, Tolento, who is a doctor and works uh, with the White House and was on talking about uh, China and the World Health Organization. That was quite the eye-opener when you start looking at the timeline of uh, the WHO covering for China. They knew there was person-to-person transmittal of the uh, COVID-19 virus as early as mid-December of last year, 40 days before they let the West know. Uh, that it can be uh, switched like that. Just think of all the pain they could have uh, uh, stopped if they'd let everybody know. you got about 60 seconds here. Understood. Yeah, Dave, look, the, the notion that China is without blame here, which seems to be coming from the left, right? This defense of China is really remarkable. With that said, let's be fair. I think uh, everybody in the world who was in a position of authority was too slow on this. I just read a good article about Michael Savage, a radio radio host, I think from New York, certainly originally from New York, you can hear it in his accent, uh, who uh, talks about the fact that uh, everybody has been slow in this, and he criticizes some of the uh, radio hosts on the right who are, uh, he believes, and I have, I agree with him in, in good measure, um, are sort of denying the existence of this. Not all, not you, not others, but, but some. And the fact is that uh, China was late in large measure because of its totalitarian government approach. Oh, yeah. We need, to, we need to criticize them, and we need to be critical of other governments as well. Yeah, let's talk about that further when we come back. Uh, we got Rush coming up, so we want to get to him on time. People want to hear what he has to say more than they want to hear what I have to say. But 
just by a little. Anyway, Russia, Russia will be up agree. here coming up in uh, 12 seconds, so stick around with us. Rush and then more of Robert Steinbach, who a uh, law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Here's Rush. You know, according to Forbes, 96% of Americans, let me repeat that, 96% of Americans claimed their Social Security benefits at the wrong time. And that can be costly to you. Uh, if uh, you make that mistake, it can cost you on average $111,000 over the entirety of your retirement. Can you afford to lose that kind of money? I couldn't. I know that most of you can't. So you can learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock. Look, I know you got a lot on your mind right now. Maybe retirement's not one of the things on your front burner. But if you're getting close to going to take your Social Security, listen real closely to what I'm telling you here. It can make the difference in hundreds of thousands of, of dollars. If you've saved more than $250,000, you have not filed for Social Security. Be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. This free analysis can be done over the phone or through video conferencing, which means you don't have to have David in your house and you don't have to leave your house to go to his, his business. Just call 501-222-3315 to get in line for this analysis. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through the David Lucas Financial uh, and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Now, Heidi is back in the studio. We've got her in the studio. We found her. Yes, we we did. We found her. Well, she returned to the studio. Easy. She found us. Bottom line, Heidi, we had been talking, uh, uh, Robert and I, about winning the lottery and being born in the United States of America. And I was just saying, you know, last night I slept on a mattress. A lot of people in the world don't sleep on a mattress. They sleep on a dirt floor. Uh, I have uh, central heat and air. I live in a nice house with a roof that keeps me dry when it rains and keeps me cool when it's hot, warm when it's cold, and keeps snow off of me. Uh, I got up this morning, had a bowl of... uh, of Apple Jacks, sat down in front of the TV, watched Fox uh, uh, Business with uh, Maria to start off the morning. Uh, had a, My coffee was ready because I set it uh, by a computer. It comes on in the morning while I'm still in bed. It's hot and ready to go by the time I'm up. And then I uh, talk to you, tell you I'll be with you, you know, at 45 minutes till, ready to go to do the show. I, I, and, and I just went during the break and uh, enjoyed enjoyed during that time uh, an ice-cold Coca-Cola. And I just thought to myself, you know, we really don't think about how blessed we really are in this country. And I was just wondering, does that cross your mind at all during your days? I mean, that's just something that, that jumped in my head today. What about you? I definitely, I, I agree. Um I I think about the technology, um, how advanced we are as as a civilization, as a nation and and as a world, frankly, Um, just thinking back to like the 1900s of, 
you know, the it, it, everything is so advanced now. And so that's that's mainly what I what I think about. I feel very, very lucky, very blessed. Yeah, I mean, I just going to I want everybody to do this homework assignment for Dave Ellswick listeners. No matter where you are socioeconomically, I'd like you to think tomorrow morning when you get up, how good you have it. I just want you to think about that. How good you have it. In in when you think about the rest of the world. I mean, when you look at the rest of the world, Overall, we are light years in front of them. It's amazing. And I just, you know, and so we want to bitch about things. So we, we complain about the butter maiden uh, is uh, racist, you know, on uh, Land of Lakes Butter. It's unbelievable to me. It, it really, really is. All right, we got six minutes till uh, 8 o'clock. Enough on that. Let me let me just ask you, uh, Robert, about the Democrats. The Democrats are holding up refunding this SBA program, the uh, payroll protection plan that a lot of small businesses are depending on to literally keep them in business. I mean, it's not their fault that the government said that they had to close down. So it is the government's responsibility to help them make it through this difficult time. But the Democrats, because they want special interests to get extra money, uh, are um, holding this program up and causing, uh, you know, really pain that does not need to be there. What do they think that they're going to win for this it's it, it can't be they think they're going to pull a bunch of votes out of this dave it's often the case that i can't explain or even get in the minds of the democrats to understand what they're doing i'm not familiar with this particular issue but remember we have talked about on your show already previous and previous days how part of this stimulus package or whatever we're calling it was 25 million dollars to the Kennedy Art Center in yep. Washington, D.C., to uh, subsidize and fund the tuxedo-wearing, uh, wine-swirling elites of the D.C. area when they go out to see the ballet or something else like that. I've yeah, got don't, hey, don't, forget the che- don't forget the cheese tasting. Indeed. And I've got <laughs> no complaints about them doing that, right? Uh, in fact, yes. I encourage that because that is stimulative to the economy. The problem is that I ha- that I dispute it and I don't like it and I don't want to fund it when the money comes from hardworking Americans, from uh, pipe fitters, plumbers, electricians, and others who work very hard for their livings every day. They don't need to be subsidizing the rich. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And that's what takes place. Of course, we saw Nancy Pelosi in her little so-called, or I would call, fireside chat, but that was if you saw the refrigerator side chat. And she's so devoid uh, of sort of the understanding of what ordinary people do. She's standing in front of her literally $24,000 refrigerator. $24,000 refrigerator. And she's full of ice cream. Yeah, right. Filled with ice cream, no less. I'm not sure people were commenting on the ice cream more so than they were commenting on the fact that her refrigerator costs more than most people's kitchens and many people's houses. 
And it's just, she's so out of touch. But the fact that someone who lives in San Francisco uh, and is wealthy is out of touch with most of America should not be particularly surprising. Yet it is indeed the case. And this is what we see over and over again. Go ahead. Yeah, that's like that moment when, uh, you know, George Bush, the elder, was in the grocery store and they misrepresented the story. But still where he was saying, wow, that's really amazing that you just run your your uh, produce across that and it reads how much it is and things of that nature. It's amazing what technology does. Uh, and, and they use that as a methodology showing how out of touch. It's amazing that the uh, uh, the, the left-leaning media and by saying left-leading, and to tell you why they didn't do it, they could have said the exact same thing about Nancy Pelosi. And in that, in Nancy's case, it would be correct. That's another yeah, that's exactly right. Difference, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Cool. Hey, listen, hang uh, hang in there with me. We're going of to course. take a, a news break, and then we'll be back. Matt Smith will join us. Going to have some interesting talk about about uh, Hollyweird and uh, see what he has to say about when movies just start showing again in Arkansas. Everybody wants to know. I want to know. I want a big bucket of buttered popcorn and a, and, a, and a soda, and I want to be able to sit in front of a big, big screen and watch a big tentpole movie. That's what I want to do. That's something I've been missing. Uh, my Thursday nights typically are movie nights. So anyway, we got uh, all that coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. If you're going to be at work by 8 o'clock, you got less than a minute to get there, so you better floor it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you got uh, about 30 seconds before 8 o'clock. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll be back with you for the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show Friday edition right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's get into the final hour of a Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. It is Friday. That's a good thing. Uh, I don't know what you have planned for your weekend, but I got some honeydew stuff that I got to get to. I got some leaves I still got to burn in the backyard. We've been repainting some chairs. Hopefully, uh, we'll take the top off the the above-ground pool and uh, refill it up and let the sun start warming it up. I I don't foresee myself swimming in it for at least a few more weeks because I'm not I'm one of those people who like to have my pool water uh, bath temperature. You know what I'm saying there, uh, uh, and Matt? I like I like my water to be kind of warm. Are you that okay. way? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't like to get into the water, and uh, I look like I'm wearing uh, an extra pair of earrings because other go. parts of my body have jumped up to my head. Hey, how? <laughs> How, how do you feel about that, Robert? Do you like the water to be kind of tepid in your pool, if you had a pool? Yeah, D- Dave, some of us don't <laughs> live in the luxury that you do, you know. Uh, I knew that was coming. Faucets and Mercedes Benz. <laughs> so um, I'm afraid the only water that I'm dipping a toe into is uh, is a tub in my bathroom. 
I got to tell you, this is funny. I I was sitting here. Linda has to bandage my foot, unbandage it, and rebandage it twice a day. And we were. She was doing it yesterday, and all of a sudden, I don't know why it, it happened, but I started singing, Oh, Lord, won't you give me a Mercedes Benz? All yeah. my friends have Porsches. I must make them. And she starts looking at me. What are you talking about? And I said, that's Janice, man. Come on. And so I brought it up. I brought it up on my phone, and uh, I said, to him, oh, Lord, won't you give me a color TV? I mean, it's just a whole big minute and 37 seconds of, of of very funny stuff. But anyway, for everybody who just tuned in, Matt Smith is here. He is the owner of the Riverdale 10, the uh, Hot Springs uh, Movie Theater, VIP Cinemas, Cabot Cinemas, VIP Cinemas, uh, the Searcy VIP Cinemas, and then for the life of me, I can never remember the exact name of Batesville. You're going to have to tell him that, Matt. Uh, it's Oaks 7. VIP okay. Cinema. All so, right, the Oaks yes. 7 VIP Cinema. So there you go. Yes. Yeah, He has been closed for several weeks now. And yes. uh, I had him on when he was closing, and and uh, this has been, Matt, a difficult time for you. Try to try to give our my listeners and uh, people who listen to you some of the things that you, and, and you're kind of in a, in a special situation because you have a lot of part-timers, and so you don't get a lot of government money coming your way. Bottom line, you know, you've you've had it pretty rough here. Uh, yeah, it's been tough on everybody in entertainment. Um, you know, movie theaters shut down nationwide, uh, obviously. Uh, and, you know, concerts are shut down. Nobody's touring. Nobody's playing. So anybody doing entertainment, uh, and obviously both of those endeavors are crowd-based, uh, it's been a tough go. Um, nationally... Uh, movie theaters started shutting down um, around March the uh, 16th, really. Wow. They were shutting down. And um, concerts were getting canceled on that day as well. Uh, now, I was, I was able to keep my locations open uh, about another week beyond that. Uh, but, you know, when you get to the point to where they're telling you, um, hey, you can only have 10 people in the building, uh, comes in, becomes impossible. To, uh, to do something like that. Sure. I don't really understand how a place like Dillard's uh, was allowed to stay open. Uh, I guess Dillard's in Arkansas are still open. Um, don't yeah, know how they you are. Can, yeah, I don't know how you can do that. Uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. They're not selling groceries. They're not selling medicine. They're not selling gasoline. And we all know there's more than 10 people in any Dillard's that's open today. Uh, you're gonna have more than ten employees there to open the Dillard's. So how are they open? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, but essentially, yes. Um, you know, if you're following the guidelines or uh, they're specifically enforcing guidelines on you, then uh, yeah, you get down to ten people, you got to close up. Uh, and it's uh-huh. been brutal. I mean, it's been brutal. Uh, on a national perspective, um, most movies now have been moved to July, uh, and so they've taken the. Um, July and August movies, moved them to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, they've taken the Thanksgiving and Christmas movies and moved them into 2021. And they've taken the movies that were supposed to open in April, May, and June and moved them to July, August, and September. Uh, most of the big national chains now are talking about opening in July 
because that's going to be the first round of major blockbusters being released. So that's kind of that's kind of the the way the the movie industry is leaning at this point. Uh, not even trying to show a movie uh, in May and June. It looks like for the majors. Wow, that's really amazing that they're going to wait that long. But you got to think that some of the major markets like New York and L.A. and and places like that, the real big metroplexes that are there and the movie theaters that are there, probably will not be open until getting back to reopening their businesses until the beginning of June, the way they're talking now. And this rollout across the nation I think here in Arkansas, we're going to be lucky. We'll find out. I guess the governor will talk about it today. But we could be seeing some businesses, and those businesses might be some of yours, uh, Matt, that will be opening maybe as soon as next Thursday. Well, on a national level, uh, you're talking about the uh, number one theater in the North America. The top grossing location is the Empire 25, okay. which is in New York City, Manhattan, Times Square. That is the number one grossing theater uh, in uh, the United States and Canada. Uh, the number two location is in Burbank, California. That's the number two top <laughs> grocer uh, in North America. So yeah. when they've closed down the Los Angeles area and they've closed down the New York City area until further notice, uh, and, and most of those states as well, then those big major chains, um, you know, they're not going to open because they can't use their, their busiest screens. And if the major chains aren't open, Hollywood is not going to release any new movies. Um, right. You know, it, it, it's weird. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a drive-in in Belleville, Illinois, and uh, wanted to open there. Um, and you know, it's a drive-in, so you you come in in your car, and you just got your family unit in your car that you're living with anyway. Right. Um, you're not going to be in contact with other people. Uh-huh. Uh, you tune, you turn your radio on to. Um, to um, hear the hear the movie, uh, you sit in your car and uh, watch the movie. Uh, normally, you would visit the concession stand, but what we were going to do is just uh, allow you to contact the concession stand with your order, and then we we're going to have somebody bring it to your car. Oh, cool! And hand it to you. So essentially, you come into the drive-in and you just sit in your car. You do nothing else. We're, we're, you're not going to come into contact with anyone other than the person walking from the concession stand to your car. Who's going to wear gloves and a mask, okay, and hand you your concession order? Uh, governor would not allow the, the place to open. Wow. Uh, governor, yeah, yeah, would not allow the uh, the Belleville, Illinois movie, movie, uh, drive-in to uh, to open. So it's kind of weird uh, how these different uh, jurisdictions are interpreting these things or what they're trying to do. Uh, it's almost like some of these politicians just want to force um, – force things to be closed and just cripple the economy. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I don't get that. Uh, luckily, uh, in uh, Arkansas, it seems like Asa Hutchinson has taken more of an open-minded approach and has tried to allow people to go to work more so than we can see in these other states. Uh, now, when you, you know, when you look at Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, North and South Dakota, if you think those states need to be under a stay-at-home order, You've just simply never been there. You, yeah. know, you don't understand that's what's going on there. You know, that's I mean, that's 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 the reality. So uh, it's been kind of crazy. I'm anxious to see what Asa Asa Hutchinson is going to do. Uh, if they would allow more people in a building, uh, if we can get to that point here, um, I'm going to open in Arkansas uh, and show movies. Even though I won't have new movies, I'm going to show some catalog titles, 
some big hits, maybe bring back something like Avengers Endgame, uh, put some classics on the screen like Titanic, do a little mix, and do a substantially reduced ticket price. I think people want something to do. I think people have cabin fever. I think people want to get out of the house. Um, so if they change up the number of people that can be in a building uh, and, and they allow some things to go on there, obviously with hand sanitizer and some social distancing, then I'm going to open up with some catalog titles and do like, you know, $5 ticket, you know, uh, to come yeah. in and watch a movie on the weekend and maybe you get in for a dollar or two oh, on wow. Tuesday. Right? Like do a $2 Tuesday. Get it two bucks on Tuesday. Uh, to watch, you know, Titanic or, or whatever. And you come that's, out our, yeah, that's our next classic movie is Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Just, just using that as an example. Or, or, you know, you come out on Saturday and you can watch Avengers Endgame for five bucks. And sure, these are going to be catalog titles, and they're obviously something that you could watch at home. But if you're sick of being in the house, come out, sit in a nice recliner, grab you some hot, fresh popcorn, get you some chicken tenders or cold beer. You know, see it on the big screen with the with the awesome digital surround sound for five bucks or maybe a couple bucks on Tuesday. Do something like that to give people something to do uh, to let them get out of the house. I know you live in Cabot, and and I had the um, I, I, I talked to the uh, president of the chamber of commerce there in, in Cabot a couple of days ago on a different matter. Uh, and by the way, they're open. You know, they're there. The chamber of commerce is open in Cabot. You know, you can stop by their office or whatever. They're still conducting business. Uh, and she said, yes, absolutely. She thought people would come out, thought it was a good idea, and uh, thought it was more of a community service situation. And and definitely that's what it would be. Uh, you know, we're not going to make any money showing old movies for five bucks a ticket. Uh, but what it would do is it would give people something to do, which would definitely serve the community, and it would put my employees back to work because yes. my people want to go to work. And, yeah, I'm going to lose money doing it, but I'm losing money right now. I've been losing money for a month. Uh, you know, I'm actually bleeding like a stuck pig down at the slaughterhouse as we speak. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're going to open up if we can, if the governor allows it, show some discounted movies, and it puts my employees to work. It gets my employees out of the house, and it will serve my community. And, and you know, that's, that's the goal. Um, so if they will allow it, we're going to try that, even though, you know, we're probably a couple of months out from having fresh new Hollywood product. All right. Robert, that sounds good, doesn't it? Well, I look forward to everything opening back up, and movie theaters are an integral part of both the economy and sort of social interaction. So we, we watch with bated breath. Yeah, I think I'll uh, make sure I'll go to the next uh, Dave Ellswick classic movie myself to see Titanic and listen to the whole movie until I hear the Wilhelm scream. Because it, it's in there. It's in there. I know exactly where it's at, in fact, from watching Titanic several times. But we'll talk more about it here uh, 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 soon. Let me let me get us into a break here. We'll come back and, and talk about this. By the way, Dillard's has been closed, uh, according uh, to an article I have here. They closed their, the majority of their star, uh, stores on April 7th. The Little Rock-based clothing retailer closing approximately 200 out of a total of 285. I don't know how many of the uh, stores are open here in Arkansas. I'll look further into that here in a moment. Right now, though, it's 19 minutes after 8. Let's get our break in. Uh, Matt Smith is here. He is our uh, our movie mogul of Arkansas. Uh, he's telling you what his 
his days have been like for the last few uh, weeks, and they've not been nice. We'll talk further about the movie industry in general. Robert Steinbach is here as well. We've got a lot more to discuss on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Continuing the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday, Matt Smith is with us from all the VIP cinemas here in central Arkansas. He is the owner of those cinemas, and he joins us today, uh, of course, uh, sitting uh, in the background talking with us as well is Robert Steinbach. And uh, we've got about seven minutes left here with Matt. Matt, let let me ask you, bring us up to date uh, of what you know, because you, you stay in touch on all of this, uh, of where the movie studios are. I mean, I all I can tell people is that the stuff that I have read is that uh, all the production basically for movies, uh, for Netflix, Amazon, uh, national TV, all of that uh, has basically shut down. <clears throat> now, it's not going to be just a flip of the switch to get that all started again. So when they can start up again, what are you thinking it's going to take before we start seeing some of this product everybody has been aching for starting to hit the theaters again? Well, um, you know, you've got some people out there that mistakenly think that uh, movies are just going to start showing up on video on demand. Um, and, you know, uh, there's some junk out there that will. I mean, if you've got, uh, you know, some crap motion picture that uh, you, you were going to have a hard time getting people to leave the house and uh, go to a cinema and buy a ticket to anyway, yeah, you're going to dump that on video on demand, you know, and try to generate a couple of bucks. Um, you know, you're definitely going to do that. But as far as these other movies, I mean, you know, Hollywood releases two to four films, two movie theaters every Friday. And so these movies that were supposed to come out in March, April, and May, they're still in the pipeline. They're just going to hold on to those films and date those to open uh, when movie theaters are, are open again and the general public is back to more of a normal life. So the calendar is just moving forward. In a lot of ways, that helps. Because when you're talking about production and things like that being shut down, they are. And this would be the time of the year where people would be going in and tweaking the sound, doing some editing, uh, trying to rework, maybe reshoot a scene or two for a movie that was going to come out at Thanksgiving or Christmas. That would be going on right now. That's something that's going to be six, eight, nine months out. So with that process shut down, they're going to take the Thanksgiving and Christmas movies and move them into 2021. So that when things gear back up, they can finish up that last bit of editing or whatever and get the final cut of that movie done. Uh, So you'll you'll see that happening. Uh, And since these other movies that are in the can, as they say, they're already done, move them into early summer and move your late summer movies into the holidays. And you fill up the last six months of the year. Um, so yeah, I mean production production is 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 shut down, but there is product in the pipeline. They're just moving that product further back to get on the other side of this virus. Um, you know they'll gear gear up fairly quickly. Um, you know you're talking about people want to go to work. Uh, people don't want to be at home. People want to get out there and do their job. Uh, so you're going to see. Um, Films coming, films hitting the screen, you're just getting a delay. You know, you're taking uh, the new Top Gun movie and you're moving it from the summer to Christmas. Uh, you're, you're taking the, uh, you know, the Disney uh, Thanksgiving movie and you're going to move it to spring break. 
uh, next year, next March, and you're taking one of the Disney Kids summer films and moving it to Thanksgiving. So that's how they're going to fill those gaps. But, um, you know, it's it's um, people want to go to work. I mean, nobody wants to be at home. If you if you get out there and you like your job, you know, you're trying to get out there and, and, and you want to get back to it. Now, you were talking a lot of politics earlier, which is, you know, what your show's about. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of criticism about the way uh, the president has handled some things and the way the, the, the Republicans and, and the current administration has handled the virus and handled what's going on. A lot of criticism of that, a lot of, a lot of Democrats and liberals beating that up. What I don't hear is a different idea. Yeah, uh, I agree. I yeah, yeah, I don't hear, um, you know, I don't hear uh, Joe Biden or, or Nancy Pelosi or, or the Chuck Schumer guy or um, uh, anyone uh, that is a Democrat or liberal or outside the administration, tell me what they would do different. They just tell me how bad what Trump is doing is, but they're not giving me a different idea. Yeah, they don't um, have a different idea because the president, I believe, has done a good job with a very untenable situation. You know, yeah. nobody was expecting this to happen. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't see how uh, this Biden thing is, 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 is a good deal. Uh, and you and I have talked about this before. I'm not a fan of Trump's style. Uh, I'm not a fan of the way he talks. I'm not a fan of the way he, he speaks to people. But I'm not voting for the guy for him to be my buddy. Right. Uh, I don't expect him to come over and get in a swimming pool, as you were talking about swimming pools earlier, <laughs> and eat a barbecue sandwich with me. I just want the guy to do his job. Much gotcha. like the same reason I pick a dentist or a doctor or a mechanic, I want them to do their job. So, you know, when you're voting for president, you're not voting for someone that's going to be your friend. People need to realize that. And I don't know how going back to the uh, Obama years was, was, was is a good plan. I mean, 2008 through 2016, things were just blah. I mean, yeah, things weren't horribly bad like they are now because of this virus, but you were just kind of blah, you know, day to day, year after year, somewhat, as Jimmy Carter would say, I'm a laze. I'm a laze. It was upon the land. Yes, hey, we Matt. Had eight, we had eight years of that. That's what Obama gave us. Eight years I of a malaise. I, I tell you, I 20, 2017, 2018, and 2019, those three years, best three years ever in my business. Best right, three years I, in the history of my business. And the best three years anybody that I know owns a business ever had. All right, got to hold you up because I got to get to Sean Hannity. Thank you, Matt. Call me when you know exactly what's going to happen. We'll let everybody know. I'm back with Robert in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We move back into the Dave Ellswick Show with 24 minutes remaining here in uh, our show. Uh, before I get to the story about Gilead Pharmaceuticals and this new drug that they have and some some uh, information that uh, leaked out that wasn't supposed to get out, but it's really good news, uh, I wanted to talk to you, Robert. Robert Steinbach is here. He, of course, is a law professor over at UALR, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily though of the, those of the school or of the university. But uh, I want to talk to you something we talked to an economist today about. Uh, there are those people who say when this is over, that the economy is going to look like a V. It, we're going to have... COVID-19 before and during, going straight down, and then it will bottom out, 
and then we'll reopen the economy, and it will go straight back up, another form of V. Uh, the chart will look like a V. Uh, other economists are saying it's going to be straight down. It will have a bottom. And then as it comes back, it will be in a V, but much less pronounced than as a sharp V. It'll be kind of, I don't know, the, the upward part of that V lay it out at about a 45-degree angle, so to speak, instead of at a at a near 90-degree angle at the bottom. Uh, so a question that's in my mind is, you know, as, as far as the businesses go and reopening and stuff, I see that happening fairly rapidly because they're already starting to talk about now how to get back into business, so to speak, how to get it all started again. However, the psychological uh, results of this on the psyche of America, how do you see it? Do you see people ready to go to a Razorback game on a weekend and gathering 75,000 people in a stadium uh, immediately, or is that going to be uh, something that, is going to take some time for people to be able to kind of digest. What do you think? Dave, I think it has to be the latter, right? If we look at our economy and economies across the world historically, nothing is a perfectly straight line up or down. It just doesn't work that way. There will be fits and starts. There will be something that goes, quote, wrong, end quote, in terms of resuming the economy because – As I said much earlier in today's show, we're humans, and while we strive for perfection, we never achieve it entirely. So there will be fits and starts. Some things will go well. Some things will go less well. uh, And we will see uh, um, certainly an upward trend and a fairly steep one. I think it doesn't take much to predict that. But how steep and where the blips will be, I think no one can predict other than that will be the case. Yeah, I I just, but I, I got to say, I don't know if Americans are going to have this real nervous feeling about going back to college football games or pro baseball games or a NFL game or whatever kind of professional sports or or uh, you know non-professional sport you're talking about I think people are are ready for it I think they've come to grips that this was something new and the other thing is and it it works us into the, the the other part of this story I wanted to get into as new drugs come available and can defeat this virus, it's going to put people at a much more uh, relaxed view of getting back to, quote, normal, normal. Would you agree with that? I do, although I think there's an inherent risk right there, which is when people start to think everything's back to normal, there will be at least some people that overdo it. There are people now that overdo it on both extremes, I'm probably more towards the excessive safety extreme, but there are people who are talking down the situation. So, oh, it doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want. And that's simply not true. And you will see some of that when we start to get back into normal, and there will be a spike upwards. I'm not saying this. This is a fairly common 
uh, notion at this point, some spike upwards of transmission, and that's a problem. So I, I wish people would step into it cautiously and move forward in terms of resuming economic growth and interaction, but with a cautious I, and I think many people will, and I think some won't, and that's where we are going to see some blips because we'll see an upward spike and then people will retrench as a response to that. Okay. I, I, I think when you look at this new Gilead drug, if it pans out the way it's starting to look uh, as it's being uh, worked on in Chicago, uh, this kind of stuff can go a long way in breaking through and getting us to quote a and I use this I'm putting up air quotes in in the air here normal uh, you know uh, faster than where we're at right now this new drug that they're using uh, they've used it on people who are in uh, really bad shape I mean these are people that were literally on death's door and they began giving them this new drug. It uh, it immediately knocked off, knocked out their uh, fever. This is an antiviral drug, by the way, uh, by Gilead Pharmaceuticals. It just it uh, brought their fever down immediately. It destroyed uh, the respiratory problems all of these people were having, and all, all of now, granted, small group about 30 people uh, over a course of a couple of weeks, all of these people uh, were released from the hospital in seven days. That's incredible. Well, Dave, as you likely know, part of the problem with uh, the COVID disease is that a good portion, but not everybody, of the population has an excessive immuno response uh, to it. And so then the body starts attacking itself as opposed to the virus. And this antiviral, it it is believed, it's not yet proven, but it is believed will uh, counteract that excessive immuno response of one's own body. And that's the balance that doctors are challenged with. That is fighting the virus and fighting the body's response to the virus for those that have an excessive response. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's exactly uh, where uh, they you know they're they're zeroing in. It's it's kind of interesting because uh, you know we all kind of depend uh, upon science uh, to help us uh, defeat these kinds of things. Uh, in fact, I think most people thought that they would come up with a. Uh, a vaccine for COVID-19 in less than six months, but it looks like it's going to be at least a year. So probably not until January of 21 that we can expect it. But we do like our scientists, do we not? Of course, right? Of course, we've got to ultimately make these decisions based on scientific information uh, while recognizing that we are constrained by the deadliness of the virus as well as the body's response. So we've got to take certain risks in the hopes of saving people before we have definitive answers while not doing so excessively. And that's not a bright line, obviously. That's a a guess at best. 
Yeah, it is, and and but this is this is the kind of stuff. I mean, look, uh, uh, Gilead Pharmaceuticals went, jumped twelve percent on the stock exchange today. Uh, wow. It's one of the first medicines identified as having the potential to impact SARS-CoV-2, the novel uh, coronavirus that's causing COVID-19 in lab tests. Quote, the entire world has been waiting for results from Gilead's clinical trials. Positive results would likely lead to fast approvals by FDA and other regulatory agencies. And we can talk about that when we come back. If safe and effective, it could become the first approved treatment against the disease. And you think about this all started like in late February, March, if we just if we use the Chinese timeline here, if we use if, if we use the real timeline, it's going back to maybe end of November, to be honest with you. But uh, if we can get to that and look, that would be, let's say, let's take make it February, February, March, April, May, June. OK, May for five months and have an antiviral drug that can defeat this virus, that's incredible. But it's only going to happen because, and we'll, I'll bring this back to you when we come back, the reduce of uh, government regulations. Let's talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, uh, 846 uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 14 minutes until 9 o'clock on a Friday. It's a beautiful day outside right now. 53 degrees in Little Rock with a high of 68, maybe an afternoon shower around. Clouds breaking for sun throughout the day here for your Friday. More coming your way in a moment with Robert Steinbach on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we got 11 minutes here before we get to 9 o'clock and ends my show. Gallagher be ready uh, at 9 o'clock to talk to you. Rush will be around at uh, 11. Uh, I don't know if Rush is in today or not, uh, but uh, someone will be there if he's not in somebody that you like. Uh, at 2 o'clock, uh, Sean Hannity will be in. I hope he talks a little bit about what he talked about last night on Fox, about what he would do to reopen New York City. Uh, be uh, interesting to hear that today on his radio show. And then uh, Jay Sekulow will be on at uh, 5 o'clock here on the show. Don't go anywhere. I mean, literally, uh, be like the Chinese government and uh, uh, get the torch out and keep your uh, radio right here at 101.1 FM because you are the dictator of your radio, I'm just saying. Just keep it right here at 101.1 FM. Do you like how I worked that in, Robert? I thought that was pretty good, huh? Well done, my friend. Well done. (laughs) Anyway. Let's go back. Let me read. Just to be clear, you guys, you guys have a real powerhouse. It's amazing how you have lined up all of these, and starting with Dave Ellswick in the morning, and I mean that sincerely. All these powerhouse conservative players on one station. It's really remarkable how the stars have aligned, and that's frankly not giving due credit to the management at your office, but the bottom line is wow, you can turn on your station in the morning and never turn on anything else. No TV, nothing, and have a a fully informative and entertaining day. I agree. I, that's the way we want it to go. People will tell you today that I heard that we assigned Rush. 
I was having a big party in my office. <laughs> then I heard they came to me and said, hey, listen, uh, Sean said he'd like to come back, but he wants to be live. And I and I, I relented. Look, I kept Sean uh, Hannity on tape delay for years because mm-hmm. my show was on when his show was on. Uh, right. I finally decided I'd go ahead and, and do mornings again. It's been 30 years, but I decided to do mornings again. And to be honest with you, it's been a great move. I, my, I think my show is better now than it was in the afternoon. It's really, really good. We, we hit some, we get big guests on in the mornings, don't we, Heidi? We get some big guests on here now. We sure do. I mean, today was a perfect example of that in the first hour and six o'clock hour. Because that's 7 o'clock Eastern, those people are up and they're already at their day, and I can get them on, and I'm out of their way then. Uh, I want to go back and talk about this Gilead thing. Uh, They took 113 uh, at the Chicago Hospital, 113 patients had severe COVID-19, near death, and were given this antiviral medicine in a very closely watched clinical trial, uh, and people wanted to see what happened. They were really, really uh, very interested in this, and they saw rapid recoveries in fever and respiratory systems uh, with nearly all patients discharged in less than a week. Uh, the name of the drug is Remsdivir, It was one of the first medicines identified as having the potential to impact SARS-CoV-2, or COVID-19 as it's known, in lab tests. And now they're, uh, you know, trying it on humans. The entire world, world, has been uh, waiting for results from the Gilead clinical trials. Positive results would likely lead to fast approvals by the FDA and other regulatory agencies. If safe and effective, it could become the first approved treatment against the disease. The University of Chicago of Medicine used a total of 125 people with COVID-19 in Gilead's uh, two Phase three clinical trials. Of those people, 113 of them had the disease severely. We're talking on, uh, you know, breathing apparatuses and things of that nature. All the uh, uh, patients were treated with daily infusions of this antiviral. Uh, Quote, the best news is that most of our patients have already been discharged, which is great. We did have two fatalities, said Kathleen Mullane, the University of Chicago infectious disease specialist overseeing the studies for the hospital. Her comments were made this week during a video discussion about the trial results with other University of Chicago faculty members. Uh, the, it was recorded, and it that recording got out to a group called STAT, who obtained a copy of the video and then reported on this. The outcomes offer only a snapshot of the effectiveness. The same trials are being run concurrently at other institutions as well. This could be huge, huge news, Robert. Huge news. And then on top of that, buried in that story is one of the things that we've talked about many a time, and that is uh, getting rid of a lot of these uh, ridiculous long governmental restrictions uh, that keep new drugs from coming to market at times. And certainly in those instances in which 
patients can't wait, right, which there's a high likelihood of uh, death. And so risk is more appropriate in that context because the potential upside is very large and the potential downside is not that great given the alternative likelihood. So those are the, and Trump has been espousing that view. That's a philosophy, has been espousing that view for the longest time, well before the coronavirus uh, began. He talked about that regarding cancer treatment. He said, why don't we allow more experimental treatment? Now, you get your hucksters, your snake oil salesmen. That's a real risk. But as long as we have some sort of constraints where we're going through some sort of scientific process and those that are offering these solutions have some form of credential to uh, 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 support their their contentions of potential benefit, uh, I think that we should allow, as Trump has suggested, patients to be making that risk assessment instead of bureaucrats. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we passed a, a bill here in our state that allowed people to try experimental drugs. If a drug company had a, a drug and it was available, a person could give their okay to try it, uh, even though maybe the FDA had not approved it. And, and I think that's the way it should be. You shouldn't have to wait on a bureaucrat who maybe their life isn't on the line, but yours is. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and so uh, we, need, we need to empower individuals to make choices. We need to inform them of the risks that are associated. But we need to, as a general matter, empower individuals to make choices. All right. Spokesman for uh, the Chicago hospital uh, made a final statement saying that their first 400 patients uh, results are locked. And what that means is that they're going to release uh, those uh, all those results here in this month. And we should have a much better feel about how this is uh, working out. Here's what I can tell you from what I read. Fever not existent within 12 hours. Respiratory duress, people who are on uh, in, uh, ventilators within 24 hours are off of ventilators. And uh, the majority of these patients uh, within uh, six days are released and are symptom free. Unbelievable. Amazing. This is really amazing. All right, Robert, I'll let you get gone and uh, get ready for your weekend. Have a great one. Uh, when we finally are released from our home confinements and stuff, I'll be having a barbecue here at the uh, the Ellswick Estate, as you like to so call it. And uh, we'll, we'll all get together and have hamburgers and hot dogs and things. And Heidi, you'll be invited as well. And everybody get together and we'll all uh, tip a few beers and, and say, Boy, isn't it great to be alive in America. With that said, have a great weekend, Robert. God bless. Talk to you later. Robert will be back with us on Monday at 7 o'clock. He'll be back to talk with us. I will be back with you Monday. We will repeat an interview that we did with uh, Katie uh, Tolento, uh, a doctor, talking about uh, the uh, WHO, the World Health Organization. If you missed that interview, you won't want to miss it coming up on Monday. I'll play it in the 7 o'clock hour. we got other guests that will be coming as well. Senator Cotton will join us sometime next week as well. I'm done for today. I will see you tomorrow at 9 o'clock for the car and truck doctors. Until then, you have a great day. Enjoy it here on 101.1 FM.